We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on of the great, great Karen Carpenter. Oh, I want to move this monorail answer up. Um, now it's back. Okay, I guess it's going to be ducking under my voice. So, the great Karen Carpenter here. Welcome back to Life MMA and the NBA. I am your host, DJ San Marco, along with my co-host, who's also a musician. So, I want... My co-host Nick Cazono, the bass player from uh, Brea, to meet Karen Carpenter, the drummer from Downey, California, who, by the way, is also a Hall of Fame singer. Nick, say hello, brother. What's up? Hello, hello. That's a good song. Digging that? That. I mean, let me let me put it back just just so people can hear it. Um, where are you going to hear a voice? Like this. Let me let me turn it back up. So, can you hear it right now? No. no, maybe not. Okay, let me get back to. I got so many programs running here. Okay. No, oh, I don't know what happened to it. Should be, you should be able to hear it. Oh. Oh, maybe because I stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear it now? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear it. I'll bring it up real quick. And when the evening comes, we smile. So much of life ahead. We'll find a place for this room to grow. Okay, so this young lady, Downey, California's own Karen Carpenter, they're like, hey, um, I know you're the drummer, but you sing kind of good. Uh, and so her brother, composer, piano player, Richard Carpenter, so they brought her out front. Uh, I think that one of the record company people or recording people said, hey, you know what? Uh, this girl can really sing, and uh, then thus the Carpenters were born and did tours literally all over the globe, literally from here to Australia to Japan and Germany and you know the entire earth basically. So, yeah, it's cool to hear about members of a band that start in one role and then they're like, actually, you're really good at this other role, so maybe you should. You know, maybe you're more fitted for that. So it, I, you know, you see that happen every once in a while, sometimes in music. Well, and it when was... she got the power, she could say, "Okay, well, what I'll do is I'll sing, but I'm still going to have a drum kit." And then for part of the concert, the drummer will beat feet, and she'll go and do a, a drum solo and sing. 
play by herself, play alongside the other drummer. So basically, she yeah, was able to. It's really dynamic. Yeah, she was able dynamic to do the whole thing because you know nobody. There was nobody in the uh, manager that was going to tell her she couldn't play the drums. She loved playing the drums. Yeah. So you can watch cool. some video online. That's cool. They, they played the White House. Uh, Richard Nixon. Oh wow. Um, there's some haunting. Lee, uh, beautiful, and and I say haunting because Karen Carpenter, that's kind of like her voice. Uh, basically, right? died of bulimia. Um, she she basically oh, wow. starved herself and oh, ended up making herself throw up, and and it actually highlight uh, highlighted that to the world, or l- at least to America, was was uh, people that were uh, eating and then puking. So yeah, well, uh, a little it was yeah. a little bit of a tortured soul, but the richness. Of that voice, now just just take that from me, who is a music uh, amateur, nobody, no nothing. I don't think we'll ever hear that again. Her, her. If you listen to a couple of those songs where she solos, the richness yeah. and warmth that her voice, the Christmas songs that they do that mm-hmm. year every year, she's okay. unbelievable. So Karen Carpenter and Richard Carpenter. So anyway, Nick, welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA. Uh, good to be back. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Let me. Uh, I wanted to talk UFOs for a second. So much is okay. going on because yeah. we are, and then we'll get to MMA and we'll we'll review the fights that you want to talk about, and then we'll preview the next card. Um, surprise, everybody! LeBron's ankle hurts, and he's not playing tonight against the Knicks, even though we were told today he was going to play. Now he's not playing. I'm really upset, uh, but I understand exactly why he's doing this. And I don't have folks for NBA fans out there. I love you guys. Um, have no illusion that LeBron is going to play at 100 uh, percent for the balance of this season in the playoffs. It's in a high ankle sprain. It's all lateral movement in basketball. That's how you get open is lateral movement. There's no way he's going to be healthy after six weeks or six and a half weeks of trying to heal that. Not going to high ankle sprain. So, uh, so there's uh, there's my NBA tidbit. Um, let me just talk UFOs because we are now Nick. We are on the 11th. So what are we? We are 20 days, uh, 21 days from a report by the um, the uh, advanced. It's not called the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. Basically, the UFO investigative body within the Pentagon is going to release a report and the hintings that I'm hearing is they're going to release uh, some stuff that's going to open some eyes that's going to change the way a lot of America thinks about UFOs there is a pretty good rumor when you look at the three videos all of which you have seen right go fast Mm -hmm. gimbal you've seen those videos yeah Lou Elizondo and uh, specifically, and also Chris Mellon, said that these videos are the least compelling videos that they've seen. <laughs> Crazy. Right. One of them is reported to be where you have a two-ship of F-18s. They see an object coming right in between them, and they diverge to avoid a head-on collision with these. And they file the say, uh, 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 what we would call hazard report. In the Air Force, they might call it a safety report in the Navy, but uh, that's documented. That encounter was documented where basically they split a formation of two, came right down the middle of them. 
Hmm. And that's on video. Or uh, I don't know if it's iPhone or what it is, but but that happened. So there's a a, a pretty, pretty damn good rumor that's been alluded to about that. I don't know what else they're going to release. But what I thought I would start off the show with is on Twitter, and I'm going to play this and let me know if you hear it. But basically, what this is about is uh, uh, at 10 NASA astronauts and their statements on UFOs or life elsewhere in the universe. Goosebumps, special thank to a Twitter person named Gaia. So they're starting out with Scott Carpenter. So let me know if you hear this music because I... Can you hear that? Uh, no. You're not? Okay, I might need to... Might have needed to add a block. Scott Carpenter, Mercury 7 astronaut, says at no time when the astronauts were in space were they alone. There was a constant surveillance by UFOs. So Mercury was the initial, the original seven astronauts. I believe these extraterrestrial vehicles and their crews are visiting the planet from other planets, says Gordon Cooper. Uh, Gordo Cooper, as he's known, also a Mercury astronaut. Okay. Uh, Joseph Walker, I'm not familiar. He's a NASA pilot. I don't feel like speculating about UFOs. All I know is what appeared on the film, which was developed after the flight. So he doesn't want to talk about that. Gene Cernan, commander of Apollo 17, said, I've been asked about UFOs, and I've said publicly, I thought UFOs were somebody else, some other civilization. Okay, there you go. Uh, Deke Slayton, also Mercury, one of the original seven. It looked like a saucer, a disc. It pulled a 45-degree climbing turn and accelerated flat and then disappeared. Now we have the first Japanese-American in space. Yay! Say yay, Nick! Yay! All right, Lieutenant Lieutenant, uh, Colonel Onizuka, the first Japanese-American astronaut in space, says... The small, strange-looking creatures were humanoid in shape. They did not appear to be of earthly origin. I don't know what he's referring to, but something he saw in space. Uh, Leroy Chow, uh, who appears uh, to be a Chinese uh, former uh, International Space Station uh, commander, says, I saw some lights that seemed to be in a line, and it was almost like an upside-down checkmark. I saw them fly by, and I thought it was awfully strange. Uh, Here's number eight. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, we all know him from Apollo 11, right? Visit the moon of Mars. There's a monolith there. When people find out about... Oh, let me see what Buzz said. When people find out about that, they're going to say, who put that there? Who put that there? So, okay. A monolith uh, on the moon of Mars. Uh, Edgar Mitchell said there has been ET visitation in May continue to be there's a lot of evidence that points to a clandestine group so he has a different different theory about it and uh just as uh brian o'leary former apollo astronaut said there's abundance evidence that we're being contacted by civilizations that have been visiting us for a very long time so anyway uh there's a lot to uh if you guys go to those of you that are interested in ufos go to u- hashtag ufo twitter there are interviews with um, um, Lou Elizondo. It, it's fascinating to listen to this man. I've listened to 
10 different interviews with him and it's interesting every time. Why? I don't know. I can't answer that question. <laughs> He's just – do you know what I mean, um, I know what Nick, you mean, Nick, when someone's able to couch things in a different way and – and um, he's so well spoken, so thoughtful. Um, yeah. Those he, intangibles and yeah, like I wish yeah. I was just Lou. I know both of us spent twenty plus years in the military. You're so much smarter than me. I wish I was like you. Hashtag Lou Elizondo. Cheers to you, sir, with coconut water. <laughs> All right, Nick. Let's get into uh, some MMA, my brother from another. Um, what did you see this weekend that? Uh, that compelled you other than the exorcist and the power of Christ. <laughs> My head just turned around. The power of Christ compels oh, you. So. A, lot, a lot of good fights. Solid solid fights. Um, you know, not a whole lot of name value or big stars or anything like that. But, I mean, this weekend's card was supposed to have TJ Dillashaw. I think Corey Sanhagen was supposed to be the headliner, which that fight would have been amazing. But... I think uh, somebody. Oh, T.J. Dillashaw got injured. He got like a laceration on his eyebrow or his upper sort of forehead area or forehead area. So he had a, he dipped out of the fight and everything. So, but I mean, Greg Gillespie looked really good. That fight was really really nice. It was a nice uh, win after you know suffering a loss from Kevin Lee via head kick and everything. He fought a really great opponent in uh, Diego Villa. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Diego Fajeda, yeah, Fajeda. Sorry, sorry. Yep, decent fighter, not like good anybody. fighter out of a good camp. Fortis MMA. Uh, he came in four pounds heavy. You know, he missed weight by four pounds and everything. But the first round was actually really nice. It had uh, Fajeda uh, had him in a lot of uh, compromising positions, just from a jujitsu standpoint. But Gillespie just kind of outworked him. Gillespie was getting swept by him and and getting caught with like uh, Omoplata sort of setups and everything like that. But he kind of you know stayed calm and you know he had that gas tank that his cardio couldn't couldn't keep up with and everything. And that second round, I mean, I think he landed some strikes against Fajeda and then kind of uh, in a scramble was getting dominant positions and then had him flattened out, had his back flattened him out and just almost like Matt Hughes style against uh, Hoist Gracie, just flatten him out and started hitting him, and then, you know, Fajada couldn't get out, but uh, the reason why I bring this up is because Gillespie looked great, and just that mindset that he had, like, post, post-fight post interview, he was just like, yeah, I was tired. He's like, but you know what? If it, you know, we put on a pace, but it takes two to sort of elevate my pace, so if that guy's matching my pace... And I have to push it more. He's like, I'm only, I'm going to continue that pace until he breaks. And once he breaks, you know, obviously I win. So obviously he broke in the second round. But he was just like, if this guy wasn't going to break, he's like, I could, I was just going to push myself in that pace for full three rounds. He's like, I was tired in that after the second, after the first round. Well, so it gives you that mindset. Like he's willing, to like mentally, just kind of elevate himself as far as his conditioning. And everything, and put on a pace that even he thinks he, you know, he could sustain it. But it's like, it really, really impacts him and everything like that. It wasn't like, oh, I could do this all day. He was really honest about it. He was like, yeah, I was tired. It was a tiring pace. Well, but you know what? I don't care. Let's 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 talk about Gregor Gillespie. Something because he is somebody that you and I earmarked about four years ago as a guy who could challenge Khabib. 
when yeah. he fir- when we first started watching him in the UFC and he started beating people and dominating with his wrestling, we're like this. But that's when Khabib was in the stage where he was always injured and the fights were getting canceled with Ferguson five times. And but we we thought that if he could make it, if he could get to a position where he could fight Khabib, this could be interesting because he's the only wrestler in 155 at all that has the cardio the drive yeah that uses it at the level that he could now you know i don't know about you nick i mean now it's possible that khabib might have knocked him out khabib might have tapped him because his game is so much more his submission grappling game so what you know let's play fantasy matchup you know yeah i mean if it was the khabib that fought um uh, if this is the Khabib that fought Justin Gagey and everything like that, I don't think you know. I don't think Gillespie would win, but I don't, yeah, I don't think he'd win. But it would be, I don't know if it'd be a. It, it mean I don't know. Who knows? It could be a, another dominant performance for it could be. But I see where you're has... going. I, I see where you're going already, Nick. What you're saying is what I'm thinking. What you're trying to say is it would be interesting because there be would have been some clinching. There would have been some some shots. There would have been some grappling against the cage, and it would have been yeah. interesting because all the rest of them weren't interesting. No, versus but none. I think Gillespie's not the biggest lightweight, but I think he doesn't really need size for him to be successful. You know, he it's more about his cardio, his pace, his pace. and his wrestling. So him being a bigger guy or having more of a strength advantage and being heavier doesn't really. Uh, sort of lead doesn't really help him in his skill set that makes him successful. But on the other hand, Khabib's a bigger lightweight. He's probably just as good as a wrestler, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, based on pure wrestling standpoint, I'm not really that knowledgeable about it. But he has the skills in the MMA setting to sort of maybe offset Gary Gillespie's wrestling. He's physically stronger than he probably has you know he probably has the better stand-up game too and oh 100 100 so all those things kind of but we were robbed we're really good off his back too so say gillespie does take him down he's not gonna probably very yeah. good off his back it, you know it's not like uh sarah mcmahon where you take her down and all respect to sarah McMahon, yeah. But yeah, yeah you could tell like she just goes yeah whoa yeah this isn't supposed to happen i'm supposed to take these these girls down. They're yeah, Khabib can fight down. from basically anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that multifaceted game of his grappling, him being stronger, physically more stronger, bigger, and then having a more developed striking game, I think will you know. But it's fair lead to him s- into his success. But it's fair to say we were robbed. We were yeah, robbed. that we, we were absolutely robbed of He's seeing fought, like, someone that could. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that could never really fought a pure sh- grappler. Yeah, he's always fought strikers. He's always yeah. fought like, strikers, 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 strikers. Yeah. You know? so, we, so we were robbed. So congratulations, Gregor Gillespie. Yeah. We're moving on, uh, and we're so sad that you didn't fight Khabib. We'll never forgive you for that. Uh, it was I'm a good – it was I'm a kidding. good – he's back in the mix and everything. And I like – just one final note on Gregor Gillespie. Mm-hmm. It's probably why I brought him up first. Because mm-hmm. I, 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 I watched his, his post-fight interview. Gosh, he reminds me of like people – that I know from back home in Cleveland, Ohio. He's got he's, that, like, Jersey Midwest. Guy, yeah, I think he was born in, like, Detroit or something. Or Is he, he was, really? He grew up in Michigan, yeah. 
Okay. But now he like lives in New York or something. Yeah. Upstate New York. But um yeah, he's got that like nonchalant Midwest like like wow, well, you know, just he gives like straight answers. He doesn't like beat around the bush and everything. He's kinda funny in a way too, but I just like his demeanor and I like the way he just kind of You like the fact that answers. he looks like he, he looks like he could be in a band with you, let's face it. Yeah, he's got the cool tattoos and stuff, and that's probably why he reminds me of some people that I, that, that I knew. It looks like Which this could be my, my guitar player, my drummer. <laughs> yeah, but like I don't know, he just I, I don't know. I, I I dig his personality. It's very it's very straightforward. It's nonchalant, and it's very honest, which is nice. You know, he's not trying to be someone he's not, and everything. So I dig it, and yeah, I think that, that Midwest kind of mindset that he has. I was like, oh wow, he really sounds like a really like a midwesterner which it's weird when i say that because now since i live on the west coast i start you start to pick up on a lot of different sort of ways that people approach how they speak and everything and even people that meet me out here they're like oh yeah you're not i could tell you're not from the west coast. yeah i think we can all tell that <laughs> so i was like they're like yeah you do have that like midwest kind of a whatever way of talking so but like i heard that from greg gillespie i'm like damn where is he from i know he's from new york but, or he lives in new york but he sounds like he's from the midwest and lo and behold he was i was like you know what i'm a fan sign me up greg all right nick can we move on please let's and you move can, on you i'm can, sorry my love affair for greg, can, greg gillespie is now yes. over you can send a, a love <laughs> message to him on twitter meanwhile yeah. i hope you notice my hair it's um, nice man i'm jealous of it thank you as you should be you should be <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Marcos Hagerio Pesao de Lima returns and beats Maurice Green and uh, basically figured out that he could take Maurice Green down and that was basically the end of it um, I don't really want to talk too much about that Neil Magny versus Jeff Neal was a very interesting fight did you watch that fight? I did actually see that fight I think I it's saw all of it um, I saw the last two rounds all right, well, let's get your thoughts on what you thought was going to happen versus what actually happened. And I thought Jeff Neal was going to just knock his block off because Jeff Neal, everyone was high on him, and I, I was too, and everything. And granted, you know, you fight Wonder Boy. No one really looks great against Wonder Boy. But I think Neil Magny, he's kind of the same way too. He makes really great fighters look not that great and everything. But the cool thing about Neil Magny, which I, I you know, I've never been so – I've never really been like – a huge fan of Neil Magny, like as far as like his just skill set and everything, but he really, what? I think, made me a fan Ooh. after. Yeah, who? He really made me a fan Are after you? this fight. Who? Mm-hmm. He's he's made me a fan after this fight, just yeah. based on the fact that like he uses every sort of every available tool in MMA, <laughs> every tool in MMA, and it's not he's not the best at everything, but he's got he he's got insane cardio, but he, his pace that they put on. Uh, Jeff Neal was intense. It was really intense. But, like, Jeff Neal was probably the better striker. You know, mm-hmm. the more fluid striker, the more the more sort of technical striker and everything. But uh, Neil Magny just was just hitting him with volume, just, just throwing that jab out there, throwing those kicks, and then, you know, closing the distance, getting a clinch, getting a takedown when he wants to, get doing, like, he was doing all the right, all the right moves, all the right decisions were made at the right time in order for him to, to stay ahead in the game. Like, he was always ahead in that fight. He got clipped a couple of times, but he would clinch when he needed to clinch. He would he get a takedown. He used volume. 
use volume, but he used like the clinch when he needed to to negate the push sort kick. of uh, Jeff Neal's mm-hmm. sort of power. You know, he got a takedown when he when he when the opportunity was there, and he's always had solid grappling. So, but like all of his skills were on display, and it was just like it was so, almost like a veteran move. Okay, veteran so performance. so since you you're gonna be the good cop and talk uh, well of Neil Magny, which as you should, I'll be the bad cop and talk right. bad about Jeff Give Neal. Me some critiques, man. Give me some critiques. Not not on you what you said, but on Jeff Neal. So okay, sure. So Jeff Neal was talking about that. Oh, you know, I wish I would have done this or that against Wonder Boy, uh, and pulled the trigger more. It's like you know what, dude, you didn't pull the trigger more against Wonder Boy because nobody pulls the trigger more against Wonder <laughs> yeah. Boy. So don't think that there was something striking that you didn't do that you could have should have done against Wonder Boy. You did try to pull the trigger. The problem he is did. when you try to I pull saw the, it. Yes, he I did too. He just whipped. Yes, exactly. You try to pull the trigger and all of a sudden you got kicked right under the right under your armpit in the ribs. And guess what? Yeah. That area that doesn't feel too good. So, you know, Wonder Boy is just amazing in what he does. He's a I almost I wanna say a singular athlete in our sports that wouldn't be quite accurate with M V P and Raymond Daniels out there. But um those are like the only three sort of guys that have that sort of style. Well, let's put it this way: that's fought high, high quality competition. Wonderboy, yeah, Wonderboy is the best he's out of all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Far other not. guys, they have just haven't fought that level. Yeah. But correct. what Jeff Neal has to take away from from this, um, from a schmuck like me, is that he really needs to develop an all around game. He didn't seek to get a takedown. He didn't even seek to kick that much. He really just stayed with the same thing over and over. And and as the fight wore on, Jeff Neal was kind of really walking down um, Neil Magny in the first round. He Really what he did is he walked him down. He stalked him around the cage. And then Neil Magny just touch, touch, touch. Little Diaz business. You know, throw little basic one-twos. Nothing yeah. that, no question mark kicks, none of you know, Wonder Boy kind of Nothing stuff. Fancy, yeah. No, no spinning back kicks, right? No Lorenz Larkin, you know, spinning back kick business or whatever. Just basic, basic MMA striking at the right time. So for Jeff Neal, what you should take away from this because now he's realized he's not invincible after Wonder Boy, and he thought it was, oh, it's just. It's never just, people. Yeah. Don't think it's just. Because it's usually, I shouldn't say never, it's almost never just. It's a series of things that he has to work on a takedown game and a grappling game and know that when it's a guy like Neil, you're going to have to sprawl because there's no fight that he isn't going to shoot. None. Neil Magny's going to shoot against anybody and everybody because that's his game, is the most complete mixed martial artist. Kind of like Mike Pyle, uh, kind of dude. Like he's he's yeah. he's very very yeah. well rounded. Is gonna try some of everything, and he's mm-hmm. gonna he's gonna make a three hundred and sixty degree attack. So I feel bad for uh, Jeff Neal. Neil Magny was awesome, and now let's move on to the next fight. Uh, next, we have Alex Morono and Donald Cerrone. Uh, there wasn't much to see here, Nick. Nope. I mean, you kind of see where Donald's at and everything. I mean, the blueprint—you could agree with this. The blueprint is out how to is out on how to beat him. 
you know, you got to pressure him right off the bat and everything, get in his face, throw heavy strikes and everything. Granted, it's easier said than done. And Cowboy did have some moments where he was landing some good body kicks, some good leg kicks and everything, but mm-hmm. he just couldn't get Moreno off him. And Moreno was just, you know, landing that overhand right and making those opportunities sort of kind of there, seizing the opportunities and everything like that. So, I mean, Moreno pretty much fought the, the, the perfect fight you can against a, an opponent like that. Granted, you know, he got hit. It wasn't a flawless performance, but the game plan was there. You know, he he, he implemented it and everything, and he got the job done. So, granted, he looked like he – I don't know a whole lot about him. He looked like a lightweight that went up to uh, a little weight. He does look like that. He does so, – I mean, I, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him either. I just – you know, I mean – I, I think that that strategy has worked for some people and not worked in others because we've seen some uh, we saw some fights after Cerrone got married after they had that child and decided on the very unfortunate name of danger um, and they were amazing tactical fights I just think that after the whole shoulder strike business where he was basically knocked out with shoulder strikes uh, is not something that would have happened to an earlier iteration of Cerrone, yeah. and on that basis, um, I mean, so I you're think saying, he's not at his peak anymore. And uh, I mean, well, I, I'm not telling anybody anything that they don't know. I'm just saying yeah. that when you cup, if we marry together what happened in this fight with what happened in that fight with a fairly pedestrian striker who put on a good pace and obviously those guys uh at Fortis MMA have a good you they're know good. Some good good strategies and stuff yeah, I mean everybody's talking camp. about him so uh, yeah and well deserved reputation but I don't think an earlier iteration of Cowboy probably like the Cowboy that knocked out Barbosa I would I don't know about you I yeah. would be scared I think he would have won against Moreno I I would be scared to see him fight Barbosa now today Oh yeah, for sure. Barbosa right. still had like Barbosa could still crack and explosive. In every, yeah, yeah. So I don't but... think he would land that jab that basically. I yeah. I, I mean I, honestly, what what it was, you know, they say it's the one that didn't see you. When when Cerrone landed, I think it was a left hand, maybe. Um, but um, I, Barbosa didn't see it, and it just caught, clipped him, and and dropped him, and then Cerrone finished him, but. Uh, I you were talking about on Twitter today. You had a little bit of a discussion going, so let's get your feelings on what should happen with Cerrone now. I mean, he's lost six in a row. Six? <laughs> name, wow, six in a row. Name me a wow. fighter in UFC that's still in the UFC with six losses in a row. Uh, your girlfriend from Ohio, Jessica I, maybe. I don't know if she had. A, she had. Probably she had a five. win. One of, she had like a win in there. Couple, <laughs> like she had a win in there to like. She had kinda, a four or five, right? Know. What's yeah, she had at least a four-fight losing yeah. streak. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's another one for yeah. whatever, you know. So, yeah, she should be good, too. I mean, sorry. I think, I think her but... story resonates with Dana, and and I'm totally fine with that, by the way. But, yeah, yeah, just fine. I mean, sure. But, uh, yeah, with Cowboy, I mean, yeah, he's a household name. He's a company man, and a lot of people were bringing up uh, Phil, the MMA guy, brought up, you know, why is Cowboy still here but not Woodley? Woodley was a great champion. Woodley oh. defended the belt. Oh, wait. I can answer that, Nick. Go ahead. Because they don't like Woodley. Correct. And, yeah, he's, you know, he's a BLM guy, 
and uh, he doesn't really take fights like Cowboy Cerrone's, though as well. Cerrone's right? not a give me a fight. All right, I'll fight. Woodley's okay, not that kind fair. of guy. That's fair. I thought that was a good point from some some posters that responded in that thread. That's fair. That's fair. Right? Because, yeah, say Woodley was, you know, oh, all right, yep, sign me up. Like, oh, you guys need a fill-in or, you know, blah, 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 sure. That's Take fair. fights, you know, if he was like, say if he was like Angela Hill. Angela Hill's taking every fight she can, she could possibly get, right, just to get the, just That's to get fair. some fights in. So if she was like, if, if Woodley was like that, maybe they'd have a different opinion on him and maybe he'd still be around. Maybe, maybe, but they had their, they've had their, it's way too personal. And... It's way too subjective. Yeah. You know, when yeah, you they, look at I, I explained to my boss yesterday, who does not follow MMA at all, what they did to Leon Edwards. And it sounds like something like Trump would do. Like, oh, we want you to fight this guy who's the Khabib replacement unit, the KRU. Yeah. Yeah. And you go, well, I'm not going to fight him. I'm ranked number two uh, or number one, whatever the hell yeah. Leon's ranked, and this yeah, guy's was, not even in the top 15. Even, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll just remove you from the rankings, and then you'll be equal. Makes How's no that? Sense. Yeah. So, first of all, when Dana does some stuff like that, don't you realize that his sponsors over in the UK cannot now say we have the number one or number two ranked fighter? Uh, it could be a deli, it could be a car dealer, it could be whatever over in the UK. Anyone who's not on his fight week, obviously nobody is, is on their fight week gear, but it could be any sponsor he has in the UK, you remove him from the rankings. What happens if that business said, well, shit, we're not going to pay this money to a guy who's not in the top 15 anymore. Yeah, that's just, That could that's happen. Crap. That could happen. I'm not saying yeah. it did happen, but... But that's what a shithead Dana is by doing that. By to yeah. make to compel him to fight Chimaev when he never yeah. should have been compelled to fight Chimaev. No. Never. But that's what a bullshit organization the UFC is now. They are. So a bunch of, they, they, this they is do why some I, shady stuff. Yeah, and that's why I want to talk about it less and less. So let's let's uh, move on. <laughs> uh because of shit like that. You, you know, you fuck yeah. with that guy's livelihood by doing that. Yeah, you know true. they told uh, um, especially especially his like his circumstance, right? I mean he he had a he had a fight with Woodley lined up. COVID just nixed mm-hmm. that because it was in the UK, and then everything got shut down. So they mm-hmm. they nixed that, and then yeah, he had another one set get up to too. Abu Dhabi or whatever. yeah or something yeah. like he couldn't leave the mm-hmm. country or something. And then the Muhammad Bilal fight, Bilal Muhammad fight, you know it was a weird one with the eye poke. So that didn't do him any favors. That was the first fight back in like a year or two since he was, you know, just not just competing. And he was doing very well in that fight. He was lighting a lot up, man. So, I mean, it's just just bad string of luck. But you know what? They did give him Nate Diaz. Can't fault him for that. They gave him Nate Diaz. I mean, as far as a fight to elevate him, and that's not as uh, a dangerous – not as uh, a – yeah, you know but what I'm saying? Now, like, yeah, now you're saying you smack me in the face and then you gave me a Fig Newton bar. Yeah. I don't give a shit that you gave me a Fig <laughs> Newton bar. You smack me in the face. They compelled him. They to, did. This is why they, they need they the fucking association. They compelled him to though. say he would fight Chemayev. Chemayev had no... As much as I love watching Chemayev fight and think he's going to be a champion someday, whatever, he had no business... Being matched up with with uh, Leon Edwards, and nope. the UFC 
fucked him over. That's what I've got a problem with. Because it's oh, yeah. complete... You make a sham of a sport when you do that. Because now we know these rankings don't mean shit. Oh, I knew that from the get-go. No, Just it's not a matter of if you knew it. It doesn't matter if you knew it. It's what they did to him. Oh, is I know. That, is that they, I know. they made a sham... That we don't know what rank these people are because they just go, oh, well, I like this guy. Since Khabib says that, uh, went out to Dana and says he's not going to fight anymore, then we got to take this other Russian Muslim guy and we got to push him up. And he beat, uh, what's his face, Gerald Mearshart. So we're going to give yeah. him the number one uh, contender in the division. A guy who hasn't lost since Usman. And what, what is he on, an eight? fight win yeah, streak or nine eight, fight or whatever. I think it's like eight or something. Yeah, something it's crazy. absurd. So that is what is absolute horse shit about the, because that, this is a professional athlete. This is not fucking local Florida uh, MMA or Ohio, whatever that guy, it just, that's what and they're It's not like they couldn't like. give him someone besides Leon. They could have gave him Wonder, right. Wonder Boy. They could have gave him someone Even Jeff Wonder Neal. Boy. Well, they, they had, um, yeah, they had Neil Magny at first. Okay, uh, yeah. Up. That might have been after okay, the Leon fine. thing before. But and if Neil says yes, yes. Yeah. But when a guy so, says no, because Wonderboy, I don't even know what Wonderboy would have seen, would have said or not, but he doesn't deserve to fight Wonderboy. Wonderboy's no, been No, but that's the, something they could have given, you know, that, that could have been another. If Neil thing. said yes, that's great. I mean, yeah. yeah, then let him fight Neil. But not when a guy says no way, that guy hasn't done earned enough to get to my spot. I agree with Leon. Uh, but agree. because he's a British guy and he's a black guy and all that, they no don't one, give a fuck. And, so. you know, I I don't know if it was because of the race thing, but I think it was just, uh, you know, he doesn't really pull any eyes. You know, he's been in there for a while and, you know, he doesn't really self-promote himself and fans don't really... It's kind of like DJ, like, you know, Mighty Mouse. Well, that's wrong, too. Fans. It is wrong. <laughs> I mean, DJ was one of the most amazing. I mean, I, I think I don't know. It I'm, might have I'm, been just, Henry I'm just trying to explain it from amazing... the UFC's perspective, right? Well, I mean... don't don't. You know what? Uh, they don't need your help. <laughs> they really don't. The fighters need your help. The UF, Dana doesn't need your help because look what. Let's talk. All right. Let's just go right into what he said today. Uh, okay, I want you guys, fans out there, uh, MMA fans, tell me where you've heard this before. I'm gonna be Dana. Oh, Nick Diaz? Yeah, I don't know. He's been in some big fights, but he don't look like a guy that wants to fight to me. Now, let's do that that rewind sound. Oh, John Jones? Yeah, he says he wants to fight Francis, but I tell you what, I don't think he wants to fight. I know when a guy wants to fight, he doesn't want to fight. Now, I want you to translate those two conversations, Nick, for the audience, because... They couldn't understand what I was saying. What I was really saying. Uh, basically, these guys want money that we don't want to pay them. So, therefore, <laughs> they don't want to fight. Yeah, these guys. Yeah, let me get the. It's just like smokescreen for the fans. Oh, damn. John Jones is He's afraid. Nick Diaz is afraid. Nick Diaz is afraid. These guys are afraid. Yeah. It's like yeah. you're just, just planting these, you know. Stupid messages in people's heads, like, yeah, they're not, yeah, Dan, Dan, he doesn't, GSP doesn't want to fight. So I'm told he doesn't want to fight. That's what the audience thinks. I yeah. Mean, so this guy doesn't want to fight. I he know doesn't want to he... fight for the money. It's like, that's like, you know, when he, when he, when he, when he, 
when he says something like when Dana White says, "Oh yeah, they don't want to fight because you know we don't want to pay him that much or whatever," it's they want, you know, we even if he said, "Hey, you know what? Negotiation tables during the negotiations, I met with John and we couldn't agree with the number." Right, like that. you could accept that. You could accept. You could that. accept that, right. but like you would disagree with see- it. Yeah, fans don't want to hear that, right? Because then they 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 put the blame on the UFC, right? They're like, right. Wah, 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 wah. So you lie. So he's so you lie. So he goes so instead lie. of saying that, we just go. He doesn't want to fight, like we said. And you know, majority of the fans would be like, yeah, John Jones is afraid of Vingano. He's scared. He's a cheat. Blah, blah blah. Which yeah, he is cheap. Is he scared? Nah, he ain't Absolutely not. He's not scared. I don't care what anyone He's says. He's fought enough like, heavyweights in the gym. You, nobody dislikes John Jones more than I do, and you know that. And yeah. he's fought enough heavyweights in the gym and probably handled all of them from Alistair Overeem Who's to Andre Lovsky to scared. Travis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm he's sure scared. he's It's I'm like, sure he's yeah, scared. I don't. Yeah, he's put in all this time to, to move up in weight, lifting heavy. You know, putting on the pounds and everything, trying to get up to you know he's what two forty or something. Whatever. He's doing all this work just because he's scared of Engano. Like, get out of here, people. So fans are just funny. So Dana is lying again. He's using the same narrative he used for John Jones. He's using on Nick Diaz, saying that Nick, there's only one reason that Nick went to Jacksonville and attended a UFC. Nick Cazono. Can you please tell fans why Nick Diaz flew from even, fucking Stockton? Okay, then, da- then DJ, then DJ, DJ will say, do yeah, it. DJ will DJ. do it. DJ, do it. The reason that Nick Diaz flew, first of all, got himself in shape, started going back, uh, doing triathlons again, losing the weight, and looking fantastic, and showing Instagram of him in the His pool. abs and all that. And all yeah. that. And then... Flying to fucking Jacksonville, a place that he wouldn't want to spend 10 seconds if he could avoid it from Stockton, is because he wants to fight. Why does he want to fight? Okay, let me see. Don't, do, the, do the thing from, from Jeopardy. Don't, no, no. He wants to fight is because he wants money. Because whatever his bank account looks like, no matter what he's making from his gym, it's nothing like a million and a half dollars or whatever the hell he would get from main eventing a card and getting pay-per-view points. Um, he hasn't fought in years, and that's the same reason. Why do you think Nate Diaz is back? Nick, take a guess. You're first. Probably needs the money. <laughs> because he wants the money. For I, I don't want to say he needs the money, but yeah. clearly he He's... thinks, because I don't know what his financial status is. I don't know how he spends his money. I don't know how he saves his money. I don't know how he invests his money. But clearly, they think for whatever reason they want money that they, that they don't currently have. For what reason? I have no idea. But that is the reason why Nick Diaz did that and showed up. That's why Nate agreed to fight a guy that he would never have agreed to fight. A guy that nobody knows, as you just said. Yeah. He would weird. have never agreed to fight Leon Edwards. And the weird. bosses said, guess what? And I don't know if I don't because you guys know that Lorenzo's taken a couple meetings on behalf of the UFC brass lately, being that he's no longer the UFC brass. He may, and he's typically Lorenzo has met with Nick and Nate. Uh, typically, uh, in rare occasions they met with Dana, but they didn't like meeting with Dana. So Lorenzo might have gotten off on it and said, "Look, 
These guys will give you a fight. It may not be how much you want it, but you're going to make you some money. Be nice to have half a million dollars in your pocket uh, for this fight. Maybe points, maybe no points, but you know, maybe you get three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. I have no idea what what number they that they decided on, yeah. but yeah, that was enough to get yeah. Nate to sign off on a contract. And now with Nick, he met with Dana. He had a shot. I don't know who he wants to fight, but whatever number that Nate and I can't remember, uh, Lewis Middlebrook, who Dana fucking hates. Because he's a aunt, he's a pro union guy, Lucas Middlebrook, uh, like their agent probably asked for a significant amount of money, and Dane is like, hell no. This guy, and so then that narrative comes back out. Yeah, this guy doesn't really been in some big fights, but he doesn't want to fight. I know when a guy wants a fight, and this guy doesn't want to fight. Dana, we're not that stupid, man. We're really not. All right, my rant's over. Rant over. Okay. But it all makes sense, right? Yeah, makes sense. The Diaz sure. brothers need money, and for whatever re- they think they need money, I don't yeah. know why, and that's why they're here. There's no other reason Nick Diaz would be here. It's not because he loves fighting in MMA. Obviously, right? Yeah. Because he wouldn't have stayed away for five years, is it now? Something crazy, yeah. Like, think about where we were five years. We were damn near just left Cleveland. I don't I mean, when he fought Silva. I don't even know where were we when he fought Silva. Were we in California? I think it was in California. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. Re- it's so long ago. I don't even remember. Yeah, that fight and, was whatever. But yeah. <laughs> and 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 Nate fought a year ago because he's trying to. You know they offered him yeah. a main Nate event. Had, Nate fight had a couple fights. He had a couple fights. Jorge. Made some good. Made some good money. Well, wait a minute. Who did he fight? So he fought he after fought, McGregor. Uh, he had. He fought, oh, he fought Pettis before, right before. Masvidal beat Pettis right. and then called out Masvidal and then set that whole thing up and then right he some money in that in that fight so I was just he made a lot you know. of money well I should say he made pay per view points he made some money man they were yeah. main event right were they main yeah, event he probably made yeah they were main event okay. so it was for the okay. BMF title so I mean that that did good numbers so but now the UFC has the upper hand they're like you haven't done anything you got your fucking ass kicked in the last that's what they're gonna say. You get yeah. your ass kicked in the last fight. So, I mean, we got this number one. So they want to use them to put over Edwards so somebody will know who Edwards is. Yeah. So, you know, they can't even get Masvidal to fight Edwards. No, as so, they should, to be honest. No, absolutely cruel. no. Absolutely Masvidal should fight Edwards. But he doesn't want to. So, do you yeah, mean Masvidal's that the not U- going to take that fight. Yeah, they're not. No, gonna, yeah. you're saying the UFC should use... Um, Nate well, to put if over they know Edwards, that if yes. they know Masvidal's not going to take the fight, then why even yes. bring that up, right? I I agree that so, I would you if I were the UFC, I also would use uh, Nate Diaz to put over um um what's his face Leon Edwards. Yeah, Leon Edwards. now once that's he's a good name, move. now we that's a good move on their part. But for Nate, it's not a good move because this is a guy that he does not want to fight. He has nothing for uh, Leon Edwards. He's not going to win that fight. No, he's not. You know, I don't can he win the fight? Can he win? Yeah, of he could. He, he can. yeah, he could catch him on the ground. He can. He catch he him on the ground. He catch he him. He could catch him with the hands. He could. You it's know, unlikely, but he Buster could. Leon and Leon could they could get into you know a, a, oh, a, I don't a think slug he could, fest. And I then, don't think he could do that because he, he would have like, done that against Masvidal and he couldn't. He could. He oh, could barely Masvidal, do Masvidal. Masvidal could slug it out with anybody, right? Minus Kamala oh Masvidal, just I mean he out. 
He outclassed him so badly. It didn't look anything like the Nate too. Diaz you remember. I think even if it kick, was, that's what I'll still beats that Nate Diaz. He's just a better. He's just a more round, well-rounded striker. He is than Nate Diaz. So, I mean, that was he, gonna, that was going to play out no matter which Nate Diaz showed up. So. I I don't I don't know if it would have been that. I don't think it would have been that bad. I don't think we would have saw like this. You know, these levels would have been so different against uh, an earlier Nate Diaz, in my opinion, uh, well, unless well, George. Why? What what would be the difference though? Well, I just think Nate uh, had a had a better pay. Uh, he he was able to put. He's 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 like an older man now, but I mean the younger Nate was just you know he was throwing a lot of hands. Okay. You know he would so just check kicks. Yeah, I mean I I yeah. think it would have looked. Been, I'm not saying that you're wrong that Masvidal might not have won, but Masvidal kind of was at his is kind of at his striking apex, and Nate yeah. is kind of on the way down. But I think if they would have. You know, if they would have met like more in the middle, I think it would have been more fun. You know, I mean, you yeah, know. if Masvidal so, wasn't as yeah. maybe finish heavy, if it was like say it was that lightweight, and then Masvidal, the same Masvidal that lost to uh, LL Quinta fought Nate Diaz. Okay, yeah, that would have been I, more. I gotta go back fight. and watch it, but it just didn't look like he hit Masvidal very much. It didn't. Look, it looked like I mean, he closed his eye, right? That's what stopped the fight. I got I got to go watch it again. I haven't watched that fight in a what? while, but it Al wasn't Quinta? competitive at all. Al huh? Quinta? No, Al um, no, Alv. Excuse me, um, Jorge versus Nate. I, I just don't remember the tenor. Oh, of he that lit fight, him so. up, man. He yeah, he lit him up. Toasted him, I mean, so. he was landing head kicks. He was just. I mean, Nate 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 landed some things. He had some moments, right? And Maswell kind of laughs whenever he gets hit. Like even in the uh, Usman yeah. fight, he gets hit. He kind of laughs, like oh, you know, like like that didn't do shit to me. You know, just. That his persona, or whatever he did, he yeah. did that or whatever. But nah, man, I mean, he even took Nate down and was just beating yeah. him up on, on on top. Like Nate wasn't even doing anything. He, you know, he just had nothing off his back. Yeah, I just don't think this is not the Nate man. It's just like he just the, I, it, man. The Nate probably pre Rafael dos Anjos. Like I would have been interested to see Nate before Rafael dos Anjos fight Masvidal. I think it would have been an interesting fight. So like Nate, Nate, Nate Diaz that beat. Uh, Michael Johnson. Yes. Nate Diaz. Yes. That guy. That that Nate. So. See, to me, that Nate Diaz and this Nate Diaz, I think there's just marginal differences. There's I there's mean, a big difference. I mean, he just I doesn't have he doesn't marginal. have the pop anymore. He's just not. He looks like an older guy. Like okay. he doesn't look like yeah. the same vitality. It doesn't look like I mean, he looks like for, a slower. A while, so. He looks yeah. slower. He's just yeah. It's just not the guy. That's you fair. know, he beat Cerrone. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so that that's was fair. that was really the big chink in Cerrone's armor. Was the first big nick in his armor was no pun intended. Saying Nick was Nate. <laughs> you know, it's when when Nate beat him. So yeah. Anyway, Nate, Nate um, drew him into that fire battle. He did. He 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 Call did. Him a punk ass. Slapped yeah, his that, hand away. <laughs> yeah that that would have been that would have been interesting. Like seeing that guy fight Jorge would have been fun. But Jorge, yeah. you know, wasn't as well known. But let's. Let's move on. Right. I want you to break uh, quickly break down Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Waterson because I didn't see the fight. So please give it was good. The audience, I mean, your... I mean, you you know that Michelle Waterson's tough. She oh showed god, her toughness. Yeah. Oh god, you know that she could hang in there with anybody in the in the, on the top mm-hmm. of the division, which she did, and it was a close fight. It, it honestly could have maybe gone 
either way, but you know, I thought Rodriguez, Rodriguez, she's Brazilian. I thought she was mm-hmm. based on her name. You know, I mm-hmm. I don't know if she was like uh, not Brazilian or whatever, but yeah, Rodriguez looked she looked great. She looked good, but she had some she had uh, some deficiencies on the ground and everything. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a good fight. It was it was pretty back and forth, but you know, Rodriguez landed the more significant strikes. She pressed for it a bit more, and she won a, a good decision. You, who did you score it for? Was uh, it close? It was close. It was close because okay. the first two rounds was probably Marina, and then the third was kind of a toss-up, and then Michelle Watterson started it. She had like a, either a takedown on the third or fourth mm-hmm. and just like just beating her up, man, on the, on the ground. And, you know, Marina couldn't get up. She just couldn't get up and everything. And then um, – <sighs> Michelle Watterson was landing some good kicks. She landed some nice spin kicks and side kicks and everything. She hit her knee. Like she did that knee shot, the straight knee kick to mm-hmm. the straight kick to the knee that kind of potentially could have compromised uh, Marina's Marina's lead leg and everything like that. So she had some good moments with her kicks and everything. But Marina had had some good moments where she would just would almost like you want to inject check style, just like just lighten her up with the hands pin her against the cage and she was just letting loose and everything but man Michelle Watterson she could so tough, she man. could eat this shot I, mean, I don't think anybody in that division can knock her out you, you have to you have to like Rose Namunas like head kick her and then choke her out I don't even yeah. think you can knock her out man yeah, she's so I tough don't, I don't I don't so tough I so, don't necessarily disagree with you um but she you saw the 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 ceiling for for Michelle Watterson where it's she can be She's a tough fight for anyone in the division, but she's just, she hasn't won those fights that really elevated her into a title contender or title contention. She's always like kind of one or two fights short from that, and that's kind of like how this fight played out. So her, Mar- her... Marina, she was good, man. She kind of reminds me of I don't know if you ever seen her fight. I mean, she knocked out Amanda. I have seen her. Yeah, I yeah. Saw she that reminds fight. me of like uh, Joanna Jonjecek style, like Joanna. Yeah, you, you don't She's style. built like her. Yeah, she's built like her. She's lanky. She doesn't have the takedown defense. Uh, she's nowhere near as good of a takedown defense as Joanna. Well, but the striking it, is very is somewhat similar, and everything. If she, if, she, go ahead. If you've been watching, if she had been watching, um, if she had been watching Michelle's fight, she knows that her takedown game. She can. I don't want to say she good. can thank. Claudia Gadelia for her takedown game, but Claudia going to Albuquerque, training at Jackson's and Luttrell's had a significant impact on her takedown game. Uh, from what I was told, so this is secondhand because I was not in the room, is that it really irritated her that Gadelia was able to take her down so easily. And she obviously really, really worked on her wrestling and it's become a strength now. It's kind of like Cerrone when he was taking down those various people that he was taking down. So, yeah. Um, if you she did are, say that she was working a lot on her single leg, double leg. Obviously. Sort of, yeah. She looked sort of wrestling it, for this fight. She, so. well, she was, she hit it against other people. She got takedowns in, uh, I can't remember the last couple fights. She yeah, got, she goes for she a, got takedowns when she had to get them and yeah. she got them. And that is the mark of someone who has become a, a good or great MMA wrestler is that when she had to have it, she got it. Let's move on now, Nick, yeah. and let's go to the newest uh, card 
and we'll go through this pretty quickly and I might even talk a little bit of uh, MotoGP for your edification and for the audience because um, there's been some significant things happening over there plus a uh, little Kayla the young lady who we had on the show is leaving for Italy in about a week oh, from nice. today and cool. will be training uh, racing and training in Italy and for a girl from working class Pennsylvania this is I'm going to cuss is fucking huge this yeah. is huge. Oh, yeah. Um, huge. So, uh, but we'll get into that. Let's talk uh, about this card. And I'm going to, st- I mean, I, there's some people on here, like some yeah, some people like- I don't know. So let's just do yeah. like, I'll do the fights I know. Let's do like. Uh, yeah, which are uh, probably the ones I'm going to be interested Barbosa in. Barbosa and Burgos. Shane Burgos is the guy, I believe, who. He's who, more of uh, like a, a boxer style fighter yeah he's actually uh i know people from back home uh, one of my friends knows shane and goes to the same gym that he does okay so um he's a fighter man yeah he's if good. he lost against josh emmett i mean if you if you fought josh emmett and you didn't get knocked down you did well yeah yeah right um, but uh but what that's a, a that's that's a that's a fireworks style fight <laughs> oh, where... god yeah josh so... emmett's got so much power so yeah but, um. I don't, so I yeah, mean, I think um, Team Tiger Shulman guy, one. just like um, Tiger Shulman, Team Tiger Shulman, just like a number of guys from um, uh, who's the guy who just beat Chris Weidman? Help me yeah, out. Yeah, uh, um, Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall, and there's a Bellator guy. I can't think of his name off offhand. That's pretty famous. That was in the UFC old school guy that was also a Tiger Shulman guy. I can't believe okay. that guy's still fighting. But yeah, so um so yeah. I I would uh Barbosa I'm gonna take Barbosa in this one unless uh I'll Shane Burgos Barbosa can too. get a can get a takedown because he's such a monster. Yeah, um, I think Barbosa looks pretty good at one forty five too. I don't think he's so I think he looks pretty good. I think it's a, I think it's a good weight class for him. So I don't think he's going to be like champion or anything in that, you know, one forty-five. But I mean, he could, like, if he could put on good fights, like a Shane Burgos fight, you know, and win them and entertain people. So it was, yeah, it was very smart. I mean, I think he getting out wrestled by people like Khabib and all that. Um, I think it's good move for uh, for Barbosa. Uh, yeah. I didn't think he had any weight to lose, but apparently he did. So seriously, uh, I'm like, how yeah, making one forty-five. So ripped. I don't know. Muscle. He's got to lose muscle. Yeah, so, he's got to lose muscle. Um, Caitlin Chukagan at fifteen and four, very game Long Islander going up against uh, Viviani Araujo. Uh, you were quick to point out about Viviani against uh, Roxy. Um, how do you see this fight going? I got Viviani. I okay. Do. I think she. I think she's. I think her physicality would be a, um, an advantage that I think will make her win the fight. I think she can win a decision. I don't know if she'll be able to finish Chikagian because Chikagian is very good. She's very good everywhere, but the lack of physicality that Chikagian has, I think, will be at a disadvantage for her. I think technically on the ground, based on like how she handled Roxy on the ground, I think she could do the same thing that Caitlin Chikagian. Uh, on the feet, I don't really know a whole lot about uh, Viviani's uh, stand-up game, but you know maybe Chikagian might have the edge there. But as far as like on the ground and like the, just 
the takedowns and everything like that, I think Viviani will have the advantage, and I think that will make that will allow her to win a decision. And Caitlin has really nice hands and nice kicks. So yeah, okay. Um, so. I'm gonna skip over the next fight. Let's go to Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush. Ironically, when I was running through the woods one day, you and I had a long conversation about this. But for the audience, why don't you uh, give him your thoughts about Tony Ferguson at 25-5-0 going up against uh, the great grappler uh, and now, um, let's say, uh, King's MMA stylist at 24-1, Benil Dariush. I mean... (laughs) You're struggling! (laughs) I don't know. Tony... I love Tony. I really do. And so he, you know, do. the we thing, the thing is, thing with Tony is he looks good when he trains, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm watching the embedded videos. He's doing all these, like, you know, he's running in, uh, like in these parking lots at like one in the morning. Ben Saunders is like, I guess his head coach now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Killer B. What's up, man? Killer B. I love Killer B. I mean, Me too. Head yeah. coach. I don't know, but Killer B is like his head coach. So he's at least in his It's a trend. It's yeah, a trend right so... now. A lot of, Fighters I don't know if he's just, yeah, so which is cool, but yeah, you know, you have the you, you, there's this footage of just Tony just running one in the morning in these vacant parking lots, just getting his cardio, and he looks great training and everything, but it's just like, man, I, I, that wear and tear from all those wars that he had and everything, and the way he looked against uh, Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira, mm-hmm. man. I mean, apparently, he's like, I only trained jiu jitsu for five hours preparation for that fight i was like well i i don't want to hear that i don't want to hear that yeah i don't want to hear that you're a fucking idiot then if you only train jujitsu for five hours and you're going up against a guy who has more submissions in the ufc than anybody ever then you're a fucking moron yeah so it's either that is it's either that or he just or you're lying yeah you're lying he just doesn't have it anymore i'm gonna pretend i didn't hear that just continue on with your analysis (laughs) because that's why Oh, you know, I was fighting Khabib, and I only trained like four hours of wrestling in this camp. Yeah, just four hours. Yeah. Okay. I will say this though: the during the embedded, the footage with Benio Daryush, he's just like, yeah, you know, I think in order to beat Tony, he's like, you kind of have to out crazy Tony. So I'm gonna try to out crazy Tony. I don't know Sucking if that's like the Tony. best. No. Uh, you know, approach to that. Like you're going to out crazy Tony. Like you're just, I mean, basically you're just, it's almost like a, and then Benny fights like this too, where he, or he just like bites down and just like swings and whoever, whoever goes down first is the yeah. loser. So if that's the kind of, I guess, approach he's going to sort of implement for this fight, Tony might have a chance to, to win and everything. So I don't know when he said that, when Benny said that, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, you saw what Charles did to him on the ground and you could do the same thing. He could do the same thing. I mean, his, mm-hmm. his wrestling's probably just as, I mean, it's probably better than Charles's wrestling. He's had, I've heard footage of, or I've heard stories of him taking down Olympic caliber wrestlers, like against the cage at Kings MMA. And this is like years ago when I, I was in Korea. So, I mean, he, he's got the ability to do that. I mean, he's, I think he's better on the ground than he, than, than Tony. So, um, I think just doing, uh, what Charles did, I think what Charles did to Tony, I think Benny could do to Tony. So I, I, this is a, Nick, sets. this is starting to sound like you and I are both picking Benil Dariush. Of course. <laughs> 
Well, how do you think that fight's going to play out? I don't necessarily think it's going to be any different than you do. I mean, I it it really depends. I he, the problem is is that Tony's so unpredictable. I don't know. I, I don't know what. I don't know what beneath. Um, excuse me, Killer B Ben Saunders' theory of MMA is. I don't know what his philosophy of yeah, MMA either. is, and I know that they both like rubber guard. I know they're both. Ben's style is very Ten Planet ish. It is, and he has a great guard, but I don't know what he's going to try to get Tony to do. And you know, to me, I told you, I think Tony needs to go back to his wrestling. Uh, what he learned in college, he needs to put people on their back because now his chin is not going to stand up to these firefights. True. He True. tried that with Justin, and it didn't work. And just imagine now. I think we talked about this when I was in the forest that day. What if he would have taken Justin down and and started ground and pounding and figured out that Justin has no no submission game and no escape game? Yeah. But instead, he had to wait yeah. to Khabib to find that out, and yeah. he didn't even try it. He didn't try anything. No, he didn't. So I don't have a lot of faith in Tony's game planning, and we know that his chin is probably compromised. I would love to see Tony win. I'm a fan of Tony. I have nothing against Dariush. We've been on the same, you know, academy before. I don't know him or anything. Seems like a just a lovely person. But um, I'm a Tony fan. You're a Tony fan. But I, if I had to pick, I would probably pick Dariush. I'm so. picking Dariush. Yeah, Dariush is so. he's still in there. Le- and then, leg you know, it's just like the. And... It's just like, you know, Tony's. Yeah. Tony's sort of going down. Darius is finally getting a coming good run back going, up again, coming back up again, and everything. So this is Darius's time to sort of see where where he can be at in the division. I mean, he was originally scheduled to fight Charles Oliveira before the Tony fight, so that would have been a pretty cool one. And that would have been so, not, that would have been really interesting, actually. Yeah. So Very Oliveira's interesting fighting fight. for the title right now. So I mean, Darius really isn't that far off from being, you know a shot at the title potentially I mean say he beats Tony and say they put they put him up against uh, a Gagey or somebody or, or Gagey where's or Justin I mean, Gagey is he hurt he's hurt no they're just no? I think he wanted I think he, he thought that he was going to get a title shot and then they, they passed him they, they picked Chandler instead so yeah in fact no know. he was going to fight Chandler right they were talking about yeah they had they annou- were... that somebody announced it I think Chandler announced that would have been fight a great that yeah, would have been really been interesting, fight. but but Chandler would have, I could say Chandler would have taken him down, and unless Justin's jiu-jitsu got really bad, it, good, it would have been in trouble. So, yeah, because I mean. um, Chandler. So let's move to this fight. We have Charles Oliveira, who has taken the long way round at thirty and eight, going up against Mike Chandler at twenty-two and five, who's had one fight in the UFC. Um, I mean up. Be straight up, I, I I think Chandler will be able to. Charles can be and has been grounded and pounded uh, before. Uh, Chandler has a way of working his way out of submissions. He's never been tapped, um, and I think that Chandler will outwork Charles and and win this fight. If he's not doing well on the feet, he's going to assess how he's doing on the feet. Charles is certainly going to kick him in the legs. I can tell you that for sure. He's probably going to tar- target his calf 
if he saw the Brent Primus fight, and I'm sure he did. So I, but I expect Chandler to win unless Charles is able to somehow take out Michael's leg before he gets taken down, or he gets a chin or a, a neck, shoots him. Oh, wraps he. It up. Like yeah, this he's dude seems nasty. He's got nasty yeah. Oh yeah, 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 Darcy, yeah. So you know, any any kind of puts his neck out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a done deal. So I don't know. He might be a little hesitant to shoot. Potentially, I don't. Know. I don't think he will be though, because he's he's fought some pretty decent guys with uh, some pretty good jiu-jitsu and everything like that. I don't think none none at the level of I think Charles Oliveira, but he knows how to nullify no, a pretty good guard and everything like that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, at first I'm thinking, oh, Charles is gonna like dust this guy, but then like I think about their skill sets and how they could, how they can win the fight based on what they can do. And it's like, our right, Charles is just is really good, but can't. I don't. I don't see Charles picking it, picking Channel up the way uh, he did against Tony and just slamming on the ground. Like I don't. I don't see that happening. You know, I don't. I don't see Charles just getting a takedown on. No. Michael Chandler and implementing his, like, his jiu-jitsu game on top, right? Isn't that and absurd the... that a jiu-jitsu guy from Brazil lifted up Tony and it's slammed him down? It's absurd. It's a... yeah. He should be so embarrassed just... about that that just... performance. Yeah. I was just surprised how easily he took Tony down. So am I. And everything. Yeah. So. But yeah, I think Chandler could... And Charles has been susceptible to getting knocked out before against guys like and everything. So Chandler has, I mean, Chandler just comes out super hot, sketch in your face, starts throwing just heat right from the get go. So that could he'll, he'll mean, probably get him. He could he could probably get him with that. I've got I've got Chandler. I I don't yeah. think I I I mean I love I love just sad to say because I I. I'd, if I had to choose, like if I wanted, like who I want, sure, it would probably be sure. Oliveira because he had, so you know, he 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 had a rise initially, then he lost, and like he always had, he would always fight, you know, a contender, or he was always one fight away from a towel shot, and then like you know, Edgar would beat him, Cowboy Cerrone would beat him, you know, all these guys that he would fight in order to become. He's her. finally found himself. He's finally yeah. found himself, and it would be nice to see him win a title, but. I just but don't seeing like on his happen. eighth fight win streak, not to hate, but it ain't, it's nice to have an eight fight win streak in the lightweight. Don't get me wrong, but some of the wins he has aren't really against the best names in the division, right? His best win is probably against uh, Kevin Lee after I'm, Kevin Lee knocked out uh, Gregory Gillespie, right? That's probably his best win. And I'm I think Chandler, you. yeah, Chandler has fought probably just as tough guys in Bellator. And you, had some great success. So you, you are I think preaching. Pretty even. You are preaching to the choir, and I yeah. think your opinion—you just backed it up—and I think your opinion is quite well founded. And um, we're not going to be as I think. What you, the audience, should get from this is neither of us are going to be shocked if if Chandler were to shoot in and somehow Charles would lock up a, gu- a guillotine and, and finish him. It could happen. Um, because uh, uh, even if Chandler's able to work his way out of arm bars and leg lock attempts and things like that, I mean, as uh, as Elio Gracie once said, everybody you know is going to go to sleep. So, um, so yeah, I'm with you. But we're both taking Chandler. So uh, that's going to re- do it for MMA this week. We gave you the news. 
I did my Dana impression. I didn't use as much Chicago accent <laughs> in it, um, which maybe I should have because I think it's funny to use the Chicago accent. And Nick says, well, it sounds like Cleveland, so I'm happy about that. Um, but um, uh, so we gave you that. We gave you a little bit of UFO news. There's a ton. Hashtag UFO Twitter. Go to latest or go to top stories. And there's a lot of interesting uh, material on there. There's uh, a lot of good discussion ahead of uh, the release of the report to the Senate from the uh, Pentagon's UFO team. I just can't remember what the new name is because we're on the third name of these UFO investigation teams that are run by the Pentagon. Want to go real quickly into MotoGP, Nick? Real right, quickly. Let's do it. Let's go. In MotoGP, the guy that has been the king is a guy named Mark Marquez. Mark Marquez is this Spanish guy. He's got he took it over from the guy who a lot of people know named Valentino Rossi. He has won eight championships in MotoGP. He has eyes when looking through his helmet that looks like black as ice. And he has changed MotoGP to a level where it's going to get physical now. Meaning, I'm not just going to come by and pass you. I might actually hit you with my bike. Or hit my bike into your bike. Now, I want you people to understand something. This is not like Moto, like Formula One, where there's a head and neck restraint device, a Hans device, that's connected to a monocoque cage where your head can't snap forward and all that and you have a cage around you. There's no cage. When you get knocked off your bike, you go flying and tumbling across the tarmac into a gravel pit, maybe with multiple broken bones, despite the fact that there's airbags inside those those suits. Okay? So Mark Marquez has dialed up the physicality and the violence, if you want to call it. And when you get mad at him, you go, hey, man, you just hit me. He's like, hey. he'll go, this is, uh, I look at this, this is fight. We are fighting out there. I fight for the win. That is racing. If you don't like that, you don't need to race. How is that viewed, though, in that world? Is that, like, looked down upon or is that accepted? Um, it, 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 it was looked down upon, but I think the punishments that they mitigated out on him were quite minimal oh we'll have you start mid-pack even though you qualified number one or have you uh, start last and then he would just zip his way you know he'd start within five laps he's you know up in the top four or five yeah Yeah, and he's people are probably scared of him so a lot of guys have gotten more physical and more uh intimidating as a result i believe of marquez marquez has been out for i don't know what was it 500 days or whatever, where he broke multiple bones last year. These guys are such maniacs, Nick. After he broke his arm in half, he's there doing push-ups, trying to come back after surgery like a couple of days later because it happened in qualifying. I mean, that's how... That's crazy, yeah. The, these guys are going and getting collarbones fused in the hospital and then saying... Them team going, well, are you going to go out? Yes, I'll go out and race. Like, how can you race if you know that trying to be near the front, you could go off again? These guys go, they fall. Oh, fearless, man. It's just, yeah. it's it's nuts. It's it's absolutely nuts at the speeds. And I, I, 
I, as an amateur, I'm not an amateur. I guess you could say I'm an amateur motorcycle racer. I don't even really race. I go out on the track with guys and pretend that I'm racing. And it is frightening as hell going into these corners and you're playing chicken to see who's going to put the brakes on last and then turn. And if you fuck it up, you're off the end of the track. I mean, people routinely go to the hospital uh, at this track that I go to and, and sometimes people get airlifted out. Thank God. Uh, I don't think anyone's been airlifted while I've been there, but multiple people have gone to the hospital. So what these guys do is, okay, I'm not talking about on the straightaway at this place. I can get up to maybe 120 before I have to start braking to turn. In MotoGP, they're doing 225 miles an hour. (laughs) With no cage, no restraint. So if something happens, you're gone. Okay, so Marquez now um, has changed. He has changed it into this bullfighter's mentality, and he is not. um, He is not doing all that well this year. So the question a lot of people are asking is, can he come back and get back to the front? Right now in the standings, he is number fifteen. So the thing I wanted to point out to the fight fans is something I didn't know. Um, at 30 years old, Nick, in this sport? Dunzo, huh? Done. And do you know why that is? I don't know. I mean, it's not that you... It's not that you physically... It's not as good. Maybe your action time is not as... Not as nimble as it used to be. But I mean, you're in your athletic prime. I think it's all right here. You You start to fear... And once you fear, I think it's over. These people are able to... I mean, Valentino Rossi's over. I think he's like 39, but he's not going to win shit. He's not even on a factory bike anymore. The way it works is all these factory teams have... They have a a couple motorcycles. They all have like two riders. And if you don't get one of those two, you're on another... You know, you're not the Suzuki team, but you're on a Suzuki, but it ain't the factory bike so it has less power and these bikes are over 300 horsepower on two wheels think about that you probably haven't even owned a car that has 300 horsepower I don't know anything about that stuff oh it's a lot it's a lot (laughs) I have my bike has like 175 horsepower and without the traction control that thank god it has I wouldn't be able to control it so if you had you know almost double that I mean there's no way so Brad Pitt did a uh, thing called uh hitting the apex on uh, Netflix and he says without traction control you cannot ride these bikes like you can't because you'll you'll go to put on the throttle in a corner and it'll just it'll just wipe out the back end yeah they they actually show where Marquez was in a corner and the front of his forks hit the swing arm of his teammate so this is his teammate and it severs the wire that does the traction control and as soon as his teammate went to put the gas on at the apex of the corner, the whole back end just did a did a whoop de doo and he's off the bike and broke his collarbone. So anyway, um, so I want you guys to think about that. A sport where at 30 years old, you're done. Done. Because yeah, you have 
you learn to have fear. Fear of broken bones. Fear of going to the hospital. And when fear you're young, you don't fear anything. You're give a fuck. Like, you don't care. Don't you give think a you're fuck. invincible. Just like in fighting, you know, young fighters go in there thinking they're invincible until, you know, until they lose or until something bad happens to them. They're like, oh, crap, okay. But, but even at 30, how many fighters do we have over 30? We oh, have yeah. I mean, because. Yeah, yeah, because you know you, you see a guy like uh, Overeem, right? He he adjusts his style. You know he plays more on the outside now. But he's and... old. I'm saying thirty. Think about how young thirty. I'm just saying though. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he was in his almost forties. Yes. you know thirty eight. He isn't. Yeah, he's still fighting. So I mean in MMA you can make those adjustments in, but I think in in GP it's like, it's like throwing haymakers. Haymakers are always coming at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just no, it's... I'm, I'm trying to relate a sport where fear, you know, we have a lot of fighters that are in their prime at 30 years old. I mean, we, yeah. I could go over yeah. Yeah. you know, from John, John Jones is still, you know. Randy he's... Couture came in when he was in his 30s. Late 30s, early 40s. Late 30s. Yeah. yeah, Randy, so... I mean, but John Jones is still in his prime. Israel at like 28 or 29. Oh, Israel's could... in his 30s. Is in this third? Okay, so we could yeah, go on down so, the line. Yeah, There's yeah. a number of fighters that are in their prime, and yeah, at this sport, absolutely. that I've they've said in this documentary with Brad Pitt, at 30, you're done because you you will not push, <laughs> you will not, you will get scared, and it's yeah, and it's just it's an amazing sport. So I encourage all of you if you like racing, if you like car racing, check out MotoGP. And I'm going to say one more stat. For reference, and this is not a dig on this individual because this individual is represents the best of American motorcycle riders. Cameron Bobier won five championships in Moto America. That's our best racing league in America, Moto America. He went to Moto GP this year. He he didn't make Moto GP. He made Moto Two. So he's one level below Moto GP, and he's mid pack kind of guy as our five-time champion. Does that give you an idea of how good these guys are? Yeah. The best rider in the the fastest rider in the United States of America yeah, like didn't soccer. even make much <laughs> huh? Like soccer. Well, it's like Formula soccer. 1. It's really more like Formula 1, yeah. but yes, you could say well, you know, we have Kristen Pulisic from uh from where Kayla's from Pennsylvania and Chris uh Christian is on uh I think he's on Man U. So he's done, he's okay. won, he's won. But I mean, Formula One, I don't even think we have an American driver at all. Okay. So in in MotoGP, the best rider in America couldn't make GP, but he made Moto2. There's Moto3, 2, and then MotoGP. He's in number two, and he's mid-pack. Man. So that gives you an idea. That's the fastest guy in our country. Yeah, <laughs> that that's how high a level these guys are at. Just to yeah. give you, I don't, I don't even know how popular it is here, though. How popular is it over here? Um, it's not as popular, I'm sure, as your. I'm sure it's not as popular as Europe, but they start a lot younger, like you pointed to soccer. Like they have these kids in these schools where the whole school yeah. is geared towards soccer. These academies, they have uh, these kids are racing uh, like little children, like the girl that we had on the show. Kayla Yakov is going in a developmental league for MotoGP for European riding, and in How much ten she days be over there for. Um, so like she sent out the schedule. It's that's a good question. It's probably a couple months uh, long. She's starting off in Misano, Italy, 
and then she's going to be training at another track in Italy. Oh, did she um, have like sponsors or um, do she does? Okay. Um, I don't like know. Pocket or something, or part of it's out of pocket. Or... I think a lot of it's gonna. I think a lot of it is out of pocket. Yeah. Um, what did she say here? She's showing. Um. Okay. Her. Yeah, she's showing that the new calendar is 11 through 12 June is when she starts in Italy. It goes to the UK, the Netherlands, the Czech Republic, France. And it ends in September, so right uh, probably beginning of the school year in Catalonia, Spain. So from uh, mid-June to la- uh, third week in sub- September. So okay. she's going to miss. And she's 13. She's 13 yeah, years old, Nick. I mean, but she is our chance, somebody young enough that if she can get out there and, you know, I haven't like had a chance to talk to her, you know, personally. I've met her at the track a couple of times with her father, but I mean, she's going to need to rock up and let these guys know that that she's not afraid to to stick her nose in those corners and trade trade paint with somebody, bump somebody, you know, hit handlebars or you know, like because that's how they're going to try to intimidate her. As a parent, I'm not a parent, but. Man, that, that would be kind of nerve-wracking if you were her parents thinking like, okay, I mean, yeah, she's good. and She could die. She, and I've, Yeah, she could die, you know? I mean, she could either die or, or, or be permanently injured by mm-hmm. pursuing something like this. But I She mean, could. She could be paralyzed. She could. So, but I mean, that's just like, I mean. Her father yeah. did the sport, though. So her father is uh, like okay, the mechanic. That makes, that makes sense. So he, he knows. He understands. Yes. A bit better um, compared to like a, a parent. Or set of parents that aren't really familiar with, right? You know that thing, and then it's just like, you know, their their child is sort of, you know, took interest in this and really excelled at it. But then, the, then, then you know, as as a parent, you know, you're like, okay, well, what are you know, what are the pros and cons of this? And you're like, so I think it's because it, she, she kinda... has the she has the talent. Parents are always look. Now you and I aren't parents, but we we know I'm, parents, no, and and, and yeah. we we talk to them, and and they're always looking for what's my kid good at, and Kayla it seems has a a natural ability, a natural magnetism, and really quickly the last time we were at the track with Kayla, there was a couple parked next to us that was like trying to get me to have their kid on the podcast that was like the kid was like brand new, hadn't won hardly anything like they were trying to promote the kid as a racer you know Kayla has something like 150 wins or 400 wins and 150 podiums or she's been in races since she was like could walk and that and there's a set of parents there that are trying to talk their kid up like he's he just started the sport like last year I'm like dude it's too late man he's like 16 or 17 yeah. It's almost, and they're like, "Oh, you, you should have our son on the podcast." It's like, dude, you know, don't. <laughs> Kayla's in a different category, man. She's been doing this, and she's been preparing for this for years. You're not just gonna come out to the track and just all of a sudden you're gonna be great at this. That's it. Doesn't work that way. No, if it did, everyone would do it. Right? Everybody <laughs> would do it. We've never That's had for anything, though, right? Yeah, yeah. We've never had a girl in MotoGP. The hope is that this one could be the first the first 
family of road of motorcycle road racing in our country is the Hayden family from Kentucky. Their son Nikki is the first kid to win a MotoGP title one year in like probably thirty years or more. Her when was son. That? This was 2006. I mean, it was several years ago. Their okay. son was killed riding his. All these guys ride bicycles to to keep the weight off and and get and, oh, okay. and get their legs. Oh, all the yeah. MotoGP riders, when you see them in Europe, they're on a bicycle, putting in. You know, they're all small guys. Nikki was hit and killed by a motorist in Europe, oh, um, and um, so he is the most famous motorcycle road racer we've had in 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 40 years probably more than your lifetime and nikki the the hayden family has been a coach uh for kayla and it said they will allow oh, okay. her to use nikki's number 69 in this series and his That's logo crazy, man. so yeah and I'll, I'll i'll send you what it looks like but yeah um kayla's going to be able to use um his his logo so um very man, exciting a lot stuff. of a lot of, it's a lot of weight on a, what she thirteen, thirteen. A lot of weight for to 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 bear on a thirteen year old girl's shoulders, to say to say the least. It it it, it really right. is. It really is. But, um, I think she's. I know, some it, people thrive in that pressure. You know, some people don't. So I mean, she's very well adjusted. Kind of, she, she really. Yeah, is. I don't know if it like if she really thinks of it that way or she just goes no i like riding bikes and i'm just gonna whoop ass so some Uh, people don't pay attention to that kind of weight and just kind of do their thing and be successful i just sent you a thought i'm gonna send you her and that the 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 logo so this should pop up on your computer now okay so you'll see the helmet and you see that number 69 nikki hayden logo and then you'll see Kayla below. She's very well adjusted. She does oh, cool. That's a cool yeah. helmet. And there's her standing next to her new bike. And she doesn't act like a some sort of a Instagram influencer. No, she you know, like she's a, very down to earth kid. That's it, man. Musician you know, just, <laughs> as well. He said that she plays guitar. Yeah, play she so. plays like three instruments a woodwind, guitar, and something else. Okay. So yeah, she's quite. Yeah. Well, so. shoot. Well, hopefully she, you know. I gets it done. will be praying for her. So um, yeah. we got to wrap it up, Nick. I I want to thank everybody for hanging in there. We want to bring you more content than just MMA. I'll have some timestamps on there. Uh, if you just want to hear MMA and hear Nick and I's thoughts, that's great. You'll have that. We did a little bit of UFO talk. Hashtag Luis Elizondo. Sound that out if you want to know what's going on with uh, the UFO Task Force. I think that's what it's called. The UAP Task Force, I think, is what they're calling it at the Pentagon right now. We should get a report June 1. Um, uh, Senator Marco Rubio from Florida is is pushing this very hard. Uh, this is an apolitical process, thank God. And um, there's... Um, one of the uh, people in the UFO program said there are times when they would get something every day. So they're they're getting a lot of stuff these days from the military and otherwise there are credible uh, sightings and uh, they have correlative data 
radar data and other types of data that we uh, I don't want to speculate on right here but um, other classified forms of data of which they've collected on uh, on UFOs that that have sort of triangulated and formed um, sort of a uh, wrapping of believability based on uh, visual uh, sensor data, gun camera, radar, and then some of these other sensors that we can't get into here uh, have given them uh, confidence that this is a, a real phenomenon and not something that that uh, just is a figment of somebody's imagination. So, okay, cool. yeah. All right, what kind of music are we going out to, Nick? What are we gonna do? Uh, whatever you got, man. Okay, can't um, think of anything else. All head. right, here we go, man. Um, something I think Nick can get behind. Give it up for Carlos Santana, baby. Yeah! Thank you very much, folks, for Nick Cazono. This is DJ San Marco. Life MMA in the NBA saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road.